Okay, all right. Here we go. Hello, Pod Day of America. Uh, <clears throat> this is Jake. I have with me uh, today Mishka Shubali, author, musician, uh, guy I'm on tour with, <laughs> um, uh, friend of mine. Um, I'll list all his credits in the bio, but uh, I love you, buddy. Um, Good morning, Jake. <laughs> we're on tour. We're in a very strange Airbnb with a, a bathroom that just has a curtain, no fucking door. Um, we, we, I, I wish it had the, the hook where you could drag someone off stage. <laughs> I wish it had a door. <laughs> Dream big, buddy. <laughs> We're traversing across the country playing house shows, bars, all sorts of weird stuff. Uh, Chicago tonight should be should be really interesting. Um, but I, I wanted to get you on the podcast because I wanted to ask you about what happened to you at Noonan recently, uh, counter-protesting neo-Nazis. Yeah, I... Um... I mean, a little bit of background. Um, I'm a straight white dude, not uh, not particularly woke, but I'm I'm trying. Um, the uh, I it's not that I don't care about political stuff. You know, I mean, I definitely watch the um, you know the elections go down in 2000 with mounting dismay, and uh, I subscribe to the Nation for a minute. And, uh, but I, uh, I, you know, I've been here on a green card for a long time. So, and sort of just knew like not to get arrested. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then just recently got my citizenship because I was like, well, this Trump guy can't win, but if he does, something tells me he's going to crack down on immigration. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and I, I have a couple, uh, you know, I have sort of a spotted history, uh, well-documented, uh, drug and alcohol abuse. Um, so I figured it would, it was best to get my you know, my U.S. citizenship before um, the, the end of days. You're the guy who was talking about <laughs> that hombre. Yes, it's yes. Canada the whole time. Exactly, the the threat to the north. <laughs> These fucking hosers, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, you know, so it, it, it's one of those things where you're, I mean, for me, I, I've just been sort of like watching shit get imperceptibly worse and worse. And, uh, and, and liking shit on Facebook doesn't seem to, to be, uh, you know, getting us big returns. Um, yeah, agreed. And, um, you know, so I, I, once I got my citizenship, I kept sort of saying, like, I, I need to do something. I need to do something. I need to, uh, I need to put my ass on the line. You know, I, I remember having a thought. I, I tour a lot, and I'm always worried about people, like, breaking into the van or fucking with the van or getting, like, shit from the cops or whatever. And, like thought about putting a black, you know, a BLM sticker on the van. And then I was like, no, cause I don't, I, I don't want to deal with the hassle that, that that's going to bring on. And then right on the heels of that thought, I was like, oh, that's not a luxury that black people have. Like just walking sure. out on the street, that's a fucking political statement right now in Trump's America. Yeah. I do know what you mean with your van though, because if you, you it shouldn't just... actively elect to, uh, to do that because your van is your house. And, yeah, you know, you'd have to take your house everywhere with you. Well, and it already looks like um, you know, my other car is is a pile of drugs and bad decisions. <laughs> you know, it's just it's like, please pull me over. You know. Yeah, you should. What you should do is you put all the stickers on it. Yeah, Trump, Bernie, Hillary, everything. Yeah, <laughs> uh, keep them guessing. The, um, and then, you know, the, the work that I do, 
you know, involves being on the road a lot and like not, I'm sort of like booked three or four months in advance. So I, you know, when, when, you know, when a big political protest comes up for, for whatever reason, I'm all, you know, always seem to be on the other side of the country or I have a show or something like that. And then finally I got wind of this neo-Nazi rally that was happening in Noonan, Georgia, which is like an hour and a half away. And, um, and I was, I was just like, fucking do or die, man. Like, do you care about this shit or not? It's, you know, they're basically delivering it right to your doorstep. You know, I talked to Mike Gams last week about Standing Rock, and he's also a touring comic and had a similar story with just this transient nature we have. And then realizing, well, this shit's like an hour away. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's it's sort of like what... The world's biggest ball of twine is like right off the highway. You know, like, well, I'm here. <laughs> Do I care about twine or not? <laughs> you know, um, and uh, and I've through Facebook, I've gotten to be um, you know good buddies with a um, you know pretty pretty committed uh, you know Muslim Antifa activist um, who I will call H, um, and and he's a good dude, and um, and the. I guess I approach the whole thing from, you know, not from just a place of ignorance, but I know that I'm ignorant and I know that Antifa has like, you know, with the sort of norms that Antifa has a horrible reputation that they're, they're really painted by, um, you know, by the mainstream news as, as bad or not as Nazis or worse. Yeah. That seems to be the fun spin for every media outlet. It's yeah. like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's it's dumb guys, smart guy stuff to go, whoa, excuse me, wait a minute, maybe this is actually bad for free speech, or maybe it's actually worse, and, you know, we sort of have this weird worship of, um, you know, civil discourse in this country, of, like, the West Wing and everything, you know, but it's very funny because that's a, I don't know, kind of an American concept. Um, direct action is an age-old practice that, yeah, pe- people say, oh, you know, oh, you know, violence doesn't work. Well, it's like, read a fucking history book, man. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. There have been very few, you know, uh, like peaceful, it, you know, peaceful passages of uh, of leadership, you know. Yeah, that that uh, th- that monk, you know, didn't set himself on fire and, you know, then put him out and go, well, sir, I disagree with you, but, <laughs> yes. you know, I'm going to go home now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and... I, I'm not a fan of violence, but um, I'm six foot five, and it's a um, you know, growing up, it's it's a, it's a language I learned to speak, um, and I'm 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 okay at it, and you know, one of the things that I I thought going into this protest was you know, there's like Charlottesville was on my mind. And, um, and that, that black kid who got fucking stomped by like, you know, eight knuckleheads. Um, and my thought going into it was, was that, um, I'm not, I'm not going to swing first on anybody, but Georgia is a like hold your ground state where if somebody comes at you, you're allowed to defend yourself. Uh Um, and so my thought going into it was just, it was, I will not be an aggressor, but I'm not going to stand by and watch somebody get hurt. I will hold out two arms and spin in a circle like a windmill. <laughs> if anyone gets close to me, yes. if any neo-Nazi feels that they want to get close to me, I'll be punching like this. And if they walk into it, I will blow them away. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting how states all have these different rules 
as if it's a game of tag or something. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, like and it's, it's so arbitrary, too, because, like, on one side of the line, there's these regulations, and on the other side of the line, it's, you know, it's radically different. And there's also, like, something I've talked about with my experience at DHS where, like, um, you know, just because these rules exist, they, they don't really... <laughs> they're not enforced in the moment. They're all for after the fact in court. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's like the civil discourse thing, too, you know, that, like, people only... Um, people only want to stick to the rules when they're losing. Yeah. If 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 they're winning, they're they're more than happy to, to let the rules fall by the wayside. And it's you know it's just when they're losing that they're like, oh no, you didn't play fair. Yeah. If you're losing at a game of Goldeneye or Super Smash Brothers, suddenly there's a sacred rule where you're not supposed to screen watch. Yes. <laughs> um. Um. So when I. So I just like sort of um you know got I guess it was uh, Saturday I think it was. 420? No. Or the, no, it was the 21st. I don't know. Um, around then. And I just uh, just hopped in my... You know, I... I oh, okay, here, here's a good little backstory. Um, when I was in uh, Colorado, somebody gave me a hit of acid. And I was like... Um, and then I had like a bunch of dishes to do or something. And I was like, this is going to be boring. I'm just going to take a tiny little corner of this hit of acid. And it's not going to do anything to me because I'm a large guy. And it's this tiny little piece of paper. So I took a tiny little corner of this hit of acid, and uh, it worked. <laughs> Definitely worked. And uh, and I just had a moment where I looked in the mirror and I was like, "Man, I'm I'm just uh, covered in all this like oily pelt. You know, I need to uh, I need to cut this off." So I shaved my head. So <laughs> so I'm going into a neo-Nazi rally, and of course, and then also being on the road all the time. All the sunglasses I have, you know, somebody gave me a big box of like uh, Salza branded aviator shades. So I basically, <laughs> I did, I look like a white power supervillain in like an eighties movie, like you know, six and a half feet tall, shaved head with aviator shades. Yeah, I read your piece in uh, sorry, where was it published? Uh, I published it on Medium. And, uh, on Medium, and uh, there a lot of the the recurring kind of joke was it yeah you looked like a, a cop like people didn't quite trust yeah. you yeah well and like I, I don't mind getting punched but i don't i just want to get punched for something i actually did or yeah. you know i want to get punched by the, the right side not the like so I, I i went like too much in the other direction of trying to clarify things where i was like how do i um, I, I know that I look physically threatening so how do i communicate to people that i'm not that i'm not there to cause violence and also, how do I communicate that I'm on that I'm on the counter protesting side? So I was like, okay, so I I got a shirt and on the front I just wrote free hugs because I was like, <laughs> that's the most disarming thing I can think of. Um, and then on the back, you know, I didn't want somebody you know to to see me from the back and, and draw conclusions. So I I know that the. Uh, the Nazi said is not just openly homophobic, but they're like actively terrified of gay people. Yeah. So I just wrote "Love Wins" because I was like, "Fuck it," you know. The um, I if if that's gonna scare them off, uh, is this is this for me or for you? It's <laughs> <laughs> an ambulance. So <laughs> it's me. I think you. <laughs> the um, my ride's here. <laughs> the uh, I love that dumb joke. Um. <laughs> And then I, I had a hat on to cover up my shaved head. And, and I knew, you know, I was talking to my buddy H about what to wear and what, what, what to wear to the rally. <laughs> what to and, wear. And, um, you know, he said, 
you, you sort of confirmed what I already knew, which is wear something you feel comfortable like running and moving quickly in. Uh-huh. Uh, wear wear close-fitting clothing so people can't like grab onto it. Um, and wear something uh, that brings out your eyes. Yes. <laughs> and well, he said wear sunglasses in case you know in case somebody tries to spray something in your eyes. Yeah. Um, so I had. The only pair of sunglasses I had that weren't aviator shades were a pair of uh, pink sunglasses <clears throat> my buddy uh, Josh McLean left at my house. So I'm, I'm wearing, so that's like what I was wearing. Fear and loathing style. <laughs> the, uh, they just, you know, it, it looked like, the, you know, the, like the kids' sunglasses you get at the dollar store or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, don't worry about it. So that's, uh, so that's what I, that's what I was wearing. And I, and, um, what I, in hindsight, what I really looked like was, a cop <laughs> trying to very clumsily go undercover. Dude, I love when you see undercover cops in New York that are, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then, come on, we're trying to record a podcast. <laughs> Have some respect. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and it's emergency vehicles. People are dying. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, people are dying to hear Pod Damn America. <laughs> All right. But, uh, like, when you see undercover cops in New York, it's so obvious because they don't, you know, they have, they live in their own bubble and they have their own culture. So their idea of what a dude casually hang out in society is, is very specific. And it's like, always like, um, you know, it, it looks sport. like they walked out of some eighties movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. Judge Reinhold is undercover cop. <laughs> yeah. Hey it's, man, can we get some beers? <laughs> so it's these shitty little piggish dudes with like a scrunched up, you know, sports team hat of some kind and like the backwards baseball hat. Yeah. yeah. Just weird gym clothes, but like just an air of like anger that just reeks of cop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they also, they, um, I mean, if they've been beat cops, they, they hold their hands yeah. further out to yeah. not hit their gun. Uh-huh. <laughs> even when they're not, you know, even when they're not wearing. Yeah. That cowboy shit. Yeah. But, um, so that's what I look like. I look like a fucking clown. Um, so I, I, I went down to, uh, to Noonan, which is sort of like, in the, you know, the wilds of rural Georgia and, um, the, and, and I was supposed to, you know, Atlanta Antifa posted, you know, here's where we're meeting. So that's where I was headed to the, the meeting spot. And of course I was running late because fucking Atlanta traffic, waka, waka, waka. Um, and so then I parked a little bit off the, the main, um, like the main meeting place. And as I parked, there were a couple of like good old boys sitting in lawn chairs who were, who were very just sort of like clocking me the whole time. But I was like, I don't have time to deal with this. So I just parked, got out of my van and like walked away quickly. And I'd actually, I'd, I'd grabbed a bandana and then forgot it in the, um, in the van. That's an important detail. So, um, so I just sort of hustled to the meeting place and, uh, of course, like, I'm not. I'm not even to the meeting place yet before somebody, a Stanhope fan, recognizes me <laughs> and is like, "Hey, what's up, man? How are you? What's oh, going man. on with the new record?" And I was like, "I, I feel weird about product placement here right now. I'm just. I'm here as part of an anonymous group trying to to disappear into doing a good thing, yeah. to pushing back against fucking neo-Nazi assholes. So you didn't set up a merch table? <laughs> I had them sign the mailing list. Yeah. <laughs> Selling merch at the neo-Nazi rally. Jesus. Um, but, so, we, 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 uh, we met up on the street corner, and 
on it, and I, you know, I was a little bit on edge. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of skeptical of everything, but I, I, I just felt strongly that I had to be there. And um, so we're, we're all sort of like hanging out on the corner, and um, one by one, people come up to me with their arms spread, and I was like, "What, man? The, the Antifa is like really friendly." No, I'm wearing fucking a shirt that says "Free Hugs," <laughs> and a couple people read it and were like, "Oh, I'm going to take this guy up on it." So like, came up to me and hugged me, and and it. It weirded me out at first, but then I was like, oh, fuck. Um, and then uh, there was a woman who came around with slips of paper with uh, a lawyer's phone number on it to hand it out to people in case they got arrested. And it was like she handed it you know, to the two people to the left of me, looked at me, skipped me, and then went to the next person. And I was like, okay, all right, I, I'm on my own here. You know, I, I'm like, I obviously I'm not fucking bros with the neo-nazis i've already like ired or or set off the locals and then antifa doesn't want any part of me either oh um, man only you could write a country song called alone at the neo-nazi yeah, rally. I know, it's like the <laughs> breakfast club <laughs> um the um and then we were sort of just milling around on the corner there and it was sort of like um it was like we were waiting to go to a show, but they hadn't opened doors yet. You know, I mean, it's like just a bunch of kids in hoodies and punk rock t-shirts and sort of like, you know, my my people, my folks or whatever, you know. And then there was just, there was this beautiful, unexpected moment where the, we gathered in front of this house with a big porch and there were balloons on the porch, you know, one that said two and one that said one. And then this, you know, sort of all American, you know, blonde white girl walks out like, you know, Norman Rockwell moment. And everybody turned around and saw her and just started singing happy birthday. And, uh, and I was like, Holy. Didn't someone pulled out a camera. I was like, vicious anti-foot tactics. Yeah. I wish they'd been <laughs> fucking recording that. Um, so we, we sang her happy birthday. And as we approached the part where you say the person's name in the song, I was like, what are we going to do? And, and like in, of the like collective mind was all the same where we were all just like, happy birthday, dear. Mama. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we're, we're in this together, man. We're all human, but none of us know what to do here. Yeah. Um, so we sang her happy birthday and she looked, she was sort of like beamed and looked a little like flushed and embarrassed. And then, um, and then everybody applauded. And then a couple of fucking Humvees rolled up with the, like, Radley Balco, war, you know, warrior cops, you know, 6'4", you know, 240 pounds strapped for war. Like, you know, fucking bulletproof vests, um, assault rifles, helmets, goggles, you know, these, like, six or eight guys, like, jump off this Humvee. And I, and me being an idiot, I was like, man, they're really serious about this Nazi shit. Like, they're going to fucking... <laughs> Crack down on these guys. <laughs> no, no. On, when I went on job with Rat House, Matt Chrisman made the point that like, you know, it, that's the real fascist in this situation. Yeah, you know, in in the way that they have actual state power and are willing to, you know, to sort of just act as a, a shield for these white supremacists. Um, they're you know they're clearly not there to uh, to crack down on them or to sort of mediate as some sort of referee between both of these things, and the police really have a you know a problem and they're infiltrated with white supremacists because of the nature of the institution. Yeah. So you know they do a lot of standing and not doing anything. Like in Charlottesville, you know, shots were fired. 
Yeah. A guy opened fire at someone, police looked on, did nothing, and doing nothing is, like, that the sort of act of violence in that situation. Yeah, yeah. The, um... So, so they rolled they rolled up on us in the corner and they were like, you know, get off the sidewalk, you're blocking the sidewalk, we're gonna arrest you. And 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 so it's like everybody moved on to like the median or they're like, um, you're blocking the street, we're gonna arrest you. Um, you're wearing masks, we're gonna arrest you. And I was like, What the fuck? This is like every every you know, it's like you're standing on the ground, we're gonna arrest you. Yeah. And I was like, This you know, and I'm in my head is just sort of spinning. And then I, you know, everybody around me had a bandana on and I didn't. Um, and I was like, and I, I'd read up a little bit on, on what, you know, what my rights were and like what I could and couldn't do. You, and sir, are arrested for having a great time. Happy birthday. Stripping. <laughs> Happy birthday, dear blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and um, so I was like, fuck it. I'm not doing anything that they can arrest me for. I can stand on the sidewalk. And so I just sort of like stood stood in front of the people with the masks and was like what what are you going to arrest me for i'm not doing any you know we have right, right of assembly we're allowed to be here and um and then i like looked behind me and everybody was gone <laughs> and it was just me like yelling at cops and i was like i i don't know how this is supposed to work but this isn't how this is supposed to work <laughs> so they had moved to the other side of the street so then i like i, I sort of linked up with them on the other side of the street and then if you've seen any footage of um, Noonan, this is what you've seen, is we're sort of like moving away on the sidewalk and then we were um, like up against a hedge and a, a huge armored vehicle rolled up um, and another like eight or ten cops piled off, you know, with assault rifles like ready for war. And then at some sign, they started yelling and they just like, fucking ran into this crowd of, I mean, this young people and like some of them, maybe 17, 18, 19, like, you know, I remember hugging this one kid and I was like, is he like a buck 20? Like what, what is this kid going to do if somebody fucking try, how is he, how will he defend himself? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so at some, some signal, these cops just fucking rushed into the crowd with their guns drawn, pointing them at people's chests, throwing kids to the ground, fucking like standing on them, kneeling on them. I saw like three or four of them kneeling on a woman who's, you know, people like crying out and, um, and you know, and they're handcuffing people, like pointing guns at, at, um, it's, it's fucking, man, it's hard for me to describe because it's not a pleasant memory, but pointing guns at journalists, pointing, and I'm not a gun person, but I, I have friends who are, and, and they, you know, they've said again and again, like, the first rule of gun safety you learn is you don't, don't talk about gun safety. <laughs> <laughs> is you don't point the gun at anything you're not ready to destroy. Yeah. And so, and, and it's just, and people keep forwarding me to sh and like tagging me in pictures. And it's like, oh, here's, you know, these warrior cops with fucking assault rifles pointed at kids' chests, you know? And it's like, I don't tag me in this, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing about being a public figure is a lot of times people, they remind me of like when a cat brings you a dead mouse, you know? It's got oh, this yeah. intention of like, you'll want this. And you're like, that's the last thing I want right now. Yeah. You know, but they mean well. Um, and, you know, and then from there, you know, it, it was just, it was a, Listen, I mean, I understand that I went into this totally naive and totally dumb and totally unprepared for what I got involved in, but the, to just, I'm, I'm skeptical of everything. I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm skeptical of like, 
you know, America and the good guys, bad guys narrative. But I'm also skeptical of the left and skeptical of like conspiracy theories and like, you know, treat any, everything and anything with like a healthy dose of cynicism. Yeah, sure. But to be in the middle of that situation and have everything, you know, um, and have so many things that I'd, I'd been told before um, just concretely confirmed in front of my eyes that like the... The whole time I was there, I don't, I mean, I, I maybe saw like two or three, um, like real Nazis and, um, never. And I was like, these guys are about to die from diabetes or a fucking four wheeler accident. Like there was, there was no threat to them from being too pure. Yeah. The only too time good that, for this world, <laughs> the only time that I was scared was, um, with the cops that they were going to fucking kill me, you know, and they, they, throughout the day, they, um, they just sort of followed up, followed the group of Antifa, like harassed us, attacked us. They had these, the charge and grab tactics where eight of them would run into the crowd, grab somebody, throw them to the ground, cuff them and then drag them out. And that happened again and again and again. And, um, and it, it wasn't, you know, the... You know, one of the things that, you know, you naively under, you understand about cops when you're a kid is that they're there to, to protect you. But this was um, strategic, tactical aggression on the point of the cops. They weren't, um, they weren't reacting to anything. They were acting. They were proactive. They were creating this situation. And, um, it, yeah, it was a fucking bummer, man. It was... <laughs> Well, you know, I think it's, uh, it's something kind of interesting as you're talking about having, like, these things cemented in your head when you see them in real life. And the way, like, a lot of propaganda works is that it creates myths that are easy to confirm if you're never anywhere near the fucking thing you're thinking about. Right. If you're, you know, far away behind a keyboard talking to a bunch of other people that have also been fed the same shit and you guys all agree with each other, then, you, you know, you can really... But as soon as you... Go to this shit, and you see it up front. And this is a common experience I hear with like people who've gotten involved in in political stuff and activist circles. Is as soon as you see it, it kind of melts away a little bit, and you get a little bit of a different way of looking at it. Uh, which is, you know, it's good for people like us that tell stories because then you can sort of pass the uh, experience around. You know? Yeah, yeah. The um, it's it's. Re I mean, as a writer too, it's re it was really interesting to me to to see how this. Um, to see how the day was reported. Um, so I was, you know, I spent two or three hours, you know, marching with, um, with Antifa. And uh, then, you know, to see it reported that um, armed counter-protesters, right? Which, which gives you the idea that we're, we're marching with, uh, I mean, uh, Georgia's an open carry state, so that makes you think we're, we're marching with guns or, you know, sort of like medieval pikes and battle axes or shit like that. Right, right. The, I saw, um, <clears throat> granted, I mean, I'm, I'm not pretending to be some eye in the sky who saw everything and anything um, that, that took place, but I didn't see a single fucking weapon the whole time. I, I'm sure some, you know, I'm sure some kids had a fucking blades or something like that, but I didn't see a single thing. The well, only... if, you, if you were with an organized Antifa group, I mean, you probably mm -hmm. didn't see any weapons because that's kind of part of it. Yeah. Um, it's not really a thing where, you know, Antifa's saving up to get guns eventually. I mean, the part of the direct action is, you know, non-lethal. Yeah, yeah. 
The, um, and the way it was reported was armed counter protesters. And I was like, where did they, how, is, how are they advancing this narrative? There's one, there was one fucking Second Amendment knucklehead who showed up with his AR-15. That was probably open the carry. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, it might have been a fucking plant. But it was like one idiot standing on the corner. So all of a sudden now they're reporting it as armed counter protesters, which makes a reader think we were all armed. You know, and then the, the, um, the Noonan Police Department was proudly showing off this shield that they had um, confiscated. And they said, oh, it's a weapon. Because, it, you know, they were like, oh, it has screws, you know, pointing through the... It was the shoddy carpentry is what it was. It wasn't a weapon. There were, like, screws protruding an eighth of an inch that they could sort of, like, hang a piece, you know, like, um, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to scratch you, you know? Like, it, it was uh, it was just... Um, it was maddening. Um, one thing that I... And then... This is this is the thing that sort of sticks with me. That that, that a takeaway that I sort of can't. Uh, one of the one of the most chilling things that I experienced that day was, so after the initial you know charge from the cops, you know when we were, we were sort of progressed to the park where the the rally was being held, um, you know there was sort of a repeated you know charge and grab by the the cops, but we we didn't encounter any sort of like um, anything organized in, like in Charlottesville. There was no, at, you know, they reported that it was maybe like 30 neo-Nazis. And we, I mean, I encountered, you know, maybe two of them. And they were, of course, they're behind a fucking wall of cops. Um, but at the end of the, um, I was there for two and a half hours before I finally got uh, stressed and um, freaked out enough that I was like, okay, I did my thing. I, I came out here and I'm not going to wait around to see somebody get killed. You know, I, um, I, I put my time in and I've, I've had enough and I, I got to go now. And um, so then <clears throat> I start, started walking back to my van and I had a, uh, I had a sign that I'd made that said, um, America welcomes everyone except Nazis, which is, not technically true, but you don't really have a, you don't really have room for footnotes on a sign. Yeah, and um, I think that I think it's an admirable sentiment. Um, so I'm I'm carrying this sign like you know walking back to my van by myself, and I was thinking, now is when something bad is going to happen. <laughs> I, I get back to my my van, and the the streets are deserted. You know, I mean, most of the people in Noonan either you know just sort of like left for the day or stayed inside, and. Um, as I'm unlocking my van, the two good old boys who are sitting in the lawn chairs roll up to me quickly. Um, and, you know, my sort of like uh, doorman's security, you know, uh, my spider sense was, was a tingling. And uh, so I turned to these guys and I was like, oh, did you, uh, did you want to get some free hugs, you know, before I close up shop for the day? <laughs> and... Uh, you know, there was one guy in mirror shades and then the, his boy behind him. And he was like, no, no, we just, you know, we wanted to ask you a question. And I was like, okay. And uh, he said, um, listen, we don't, you know, we, we don't care which side you're on, you know, Nazis or Anifa, like, um, we just, we don't want you to park here. And I looked around and I was like, well, I, I didn't see any signs saying no parking here. And, um, and he was like, yeah, I know, we... 
we just we keep to ourselves and uh, and we don't want you parking here and uh, I said I'll tell you what man um, you keep the Nazis out and you'll never see me again <laughs> until then I'll park wherever the fuck I want to <laughs> and I was like and, and I was ready you know I was like here, this is where it pops off yeah and um and I was confident that, not that I could take both of these guys, but that I could hurt both of them before I went down. And then I just sort of like looked at them and waited to see what was going to happen. And then I was like, okay. And I turned around and unlocked the car and drove, you know, unlocked the van and drove away. But, um, but just that, I mean, the bullet points, the takeaway that like the, um, the Nazi menace, um, I mean, they're, not that we should ignore them, but there was no menace there. There well, were like a bunch of old like white dudes who are like one more can of Kodiak was going to fucking make them have a stroke. <laughs> That's what I think is interesting about uh, the concept mm. of Antifa because like <clears throat> I think a lot of people think of it as an annoyance and a footnote and this this resurgence of direct action in America is, um, you know, something we would be better off without. We should beat them on a, you know, bigger scale in the culture or in the in the in Congress or something. Um, but it's like I think it's working. I mean, Richard Spencer admittedly canceled his tour over on Antifa, yeah. you know, um, and it's it's a good sign. And it's you know it's it's doing what it's meant to do, which is to discourage and embarrass people out of uh, going down this rabbit hole. Um, and an observation I made once when after getting tossed out of a bar when, back in the good old days was um, if violence doesn't work, then why are bouncers so big? Because <laughs> <laughs> getting fucking thrown in a dumpster by somebody, I was like, ow, fuck, like, all right, I, you know, I learned my lesson. Yeah, um, there isn't a guy at the front of the bar who um, defeats you with logic and uh, <laughs> he's gonna hurt debates you <laughs> out of the bar, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think this story is really interesting because I, you know, you're a great storyteller, and I always think about you because I have, um, you know, sort of recently kind of put together a bit of a more political worldview and view things sort of like an ideology. But I always think when when I when I write, there's like two gears for me, which is like personal and political, and there are two ends of a spectrum that are connected in you know I mean there's a spectrum there's there's stuff going on between them um, and there's a history of people understanding the relationship between the personal and the political your personal experience and how it relates to like the whole world and the community and all this stuff yeah and I always think you have a really good a, a really great ability to relate your personal experience in a way that um, that people can extrapolate other you know things from there right yeah um I, I was thinking about that in terms of like really antifa because like um there's this thing with antifa where the far right the breitbart freaks um they say things like um like like antifa super soldiers and they try to, <laughs> to paint this picture of this aggressive like you know, weird ninja clan from like a cartoon or something. And, you know, whenever you meet these guys, they're usually nerds. They're small, little, yeah, yeah. soft dudes that have been bullied enough that they understand the experience of bullies. And I, I, I will say this, you know, I mean, the, the, the Atlanta Antifa groups, the, the visual that they presented was 
somewhere between a like um, you know the people who would go to an, an uh, like a, a punk band that's a little bit long in tooth um, <laughs> and like a farmers market. Yeah, you know there was like the gray ponytail people who were there and um, and then like a lot of like skinny kids, you know and and um, the and you know and. And good people too, you know, like at first they treated me, you know, they sort of like um, held me at arm's length, which that's what they should have done. That was the correct thing. They thought I was a cop and like they can't be infiltrated. That is important. I don't, I don't you know, fucking, I don't have any hurt feelings about that. But then when they, I did get in the cops' faces a couple of times where I was like, is this what you signed up for to protect Nazis? Uh-huh. Is this what you're about to protect and serve Nazis? And they didn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when they saw me doing that, then a couple of people were like, hey, we're going this way, man. You know, or, or they sort of like um, brought me in. And then when I published the account of um, being at Noonan, the woman who had passed over me, like who hadn't given me the, the slip of paper with the lawyer's number on it, created a Twitter account just so she could write to me and say, hey, I'm sorry. I thought you were a cop. but she like felt bad and I was like oh man don't feel bad for a second you know like you were doing it you were doing your job you were doing exactly what you had to do yeah well I think that they probably you know this is probably not that uncommon of an experience in that world because like you know there is like um there's there's a comedian Barry Crimmins who I always think about when I think about this particular uh mechanism I'm about to describe but like um Barry you know rest in peace died last year was um like uh, a victim of a lot of things growing up and that's why he became so hardcore of an activist and like a defender of people as an adult um but like you're kind of the reverse right i think you're a bit of a reformed tough guy you know (laughs) yeah that's that's one of the narratives yeah that's something i've got from talking to you before yeah yeah I, i mean i became a bully later in life yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully a bully for justice. Right, but, and that's yeah. that's the thing is like now you're showing up to something like this and going, okay, well then how do I help? You know? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to see those two points of you converge in uh, in solidarity against you know this bigger threat. You know? Yeah. The um, it's it's so funny too to see how um, how like perception has changed. You know, for me, it felt important for me to go. Um, you know, very much because of the way that I look. Like I, I want. Um, it's I, I, I kind of you know, kind of want to try to redeem the white American male a little bit. That <clears throat> I felt like it was important for me to be there for, um, you know, for the neo Nazis to see that a very Aryan looking bro. Um, wants to see them die in a fire yeah. <laughs> you know and um that um and and also you know for people of color to know that like we stand with them you know and that and 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 more than that too that like i will stand in front of a cop to protect you um and uh, the um i this is a weird thing to talk about but like I, I recognize you know, living in New York for 18 years, I never got mugged. I have large privilege, you know, which is that I'm a big dude and like people don't fuck with me really. Um, and, um, and, 
and that's great for me, but it, there was also, you know, there's a time where it's like, you know, if you're, if you have that privilege, you have to sort of accept some responsibility with it too. You know, and I, I felt like that it was, uh, you know, like I said, bully for justice, you know, yeah. um, one of the, an interesting thing too, that I, an interesting takeaway I had from, uh, telling the story on medium, um, and seeing the way people on my Facebook feed responded to it. My, my, my Facebook is mostly people who, not necessarily people I know, but people who know my music or my writing or whatever is as I didn't see anyone from Antifa commit an act of violence or anything close to an act of violence. Nobody threw a punch, nobody threw a kick, um, nobody threw a rock, nobody spit, you know, there was like nothing approaching violence at one point when we were walking back, um, towards the center of town, there was the like, the guy who was not a neo-Nazi, but a redneck shit starter wearing a, a MAGA hat. Yeah. And that was the element I was the most nervous about. <laughs> he like charged into the crowd, sort of shouldering people out of his way. And somebody knocked his hat off, which is, that's exactly what he wanted. Yeah. And then there was like a little bit of a scuffle and like a, a, a you know, a woman in a, a head covering picked it up and then he grabbed it from her and they were sort of struggling over it. And then she she dropped it and it fell to the ground. He bent over, and I kicked him in the ass as hard as I could, <laughs> to the point that my leg was sore for like three or four days after that. And so, and then the next day, I saw a, a, a I found an Instagram video of him being interviewed by somebody, and he's like, he was like, you know. I'm just, I'm just good, you know, I'm just an observer. I'm an American citizen. I just came out here to watch and to see, you know, what's going on. These Antifa people, you know, they surrounded me. They kicked me. They punched me. They spit on me. Bullshit. I was right there. I saw you. I saw what you did. And I saw what happened to you. And I was the one who kicked you. And I was, there was one person who committed violence against you. And it was me. And when I told this story, um, when I told this in the Medium article, again and again and again there are all these people commenting on my narrative being like oh Antifa they're scum they're violent they're bad people you know they're worse than Nazis not one single person called me out for committing violence the only violence in the in the entire piece it was committed by the cops and me and nobody or very few people said anything critical about the cops and nobody there's this othering of Antifa that they're the menace, they're the bad guy, these masked villains, you know? And I was like, no man, I was with them <laughs> and I did a bad thing and no one called me out on it. Yeah, well that's the, that's not the story people want to write and that's not the story people want to hear. Yeah. You know, it's more complicated and to talk about the police being violent is like, oh, well they're an institution so... They're it's, doing. They're just doing their jobs. Yeah, and the story. Everyone. The 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 pseudo intellectual story is always that this new thing is somehow going to destroy the fabric of our you know so, so precious and functioning society that we live in already. You know. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, as I've covered on this show before, you know, it's not new. You just know about it now if you're some <laughs> dude sitting at home on a recliner watching Fox News or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well. Uh, that's a great story. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm glad you kicked that guy's ass. I, I'm sorry too. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you that like the week after that happened, I, uh, I I had a pretty shitty week, you know, of just and I was like, oh maybe uh, 
maybe I have a little touch of the old PTSD from, uh, you know, from the gun violence in my past. Um, because I, I couldn't, um, I had a hard time getting over um, both having a gun pointed at me and seeing like these fucking kids getting stomped by these huge cops. And, um, but uh, I don't regret going. I would fucking do it again. And I'll stand with anybody against Nazis and against fucking warrior cops, you know? Yeah. Word. Um, cool. Well, uh, I think we should probably wrap it up. Yeah. Um, you should plug the record and all that stuff, though. Oh, I have a record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Plug. <laughs> that, was, that was heartfelt, right? Man, that seems kind of corny on the fucking tail of this. I have a new record called uh, When We Were Animals. Which now seems kind of prescient from his, uh, <laughs> that was it, MS 13, who, who tr- fucking Trump called out as animals. Man, well, you know, like, you can, the news is so weird, you just, you can't predict it, and sometimes it's gonna twist, stuff like that. Do you know, uh, do you ever heard that story about Carlin uh, in 9 11? <laughs> No, he put he to- did it. He, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he put together a, um, a sp- <laughs> jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Uh, <laughs> he put together and like produced a special, an entire special, and like the the punchline of it, and I think maybe the title was. Um, like I, it was like it makes me happy when large amounts of people die. And that was like in that non 9 11 time, kind of, uh, he's doing a little ironic twist thing and he had a punchline for it, but he recorded it on 9 10 and then, like, the next day just had to cancel the whole thing. Yeah. Just like, this can't happen, you know? Yeah. But, um, but I think when we were animals is a little bit more, uh, <laughs> what's, what's ironic is that I mean, it's, it's also extremely personal, like I was saying. So, you know, the, the working title for the record was Not From Here. Because <laughs> even worse, yeah. Because <laughs> when, it, like anywhere I go, people are like, "Oh, where are you from?" And it's like, "Well, I was born in Canada, but I left there when I was eight, and then I lived in New Mexico and New Hampshire and Massachusetts, and spent time in in like you know California, Colorado, the Virgin Islands, New York City." I'm from the van. <laughs> yeah, and so when I, it just got to a thing where like people were where people. Either people would ask me where I was from, and I would have to just be like, "I'm not from here," or they would be talking to me, and then they, and they, one of them would turn to another one and be like, "He's not from here." And so I had that weird thing of being like a fucking white bro, but I am an immigrant, and uh, and just sort of like that people were like, "Oh, he's one of us." No, he's not one of us. That weird uh, duality that sort of flickered back and forth. But then I felt like calling it "not from here" made it. It seemed like I was uh, poaching um, the tur- the turf of um, people of color who are immigrants who are who who experience that on a much more virulent level. So I was like, I'll go with something more personal. The when we were animals, mm-hmm. and there you go. Now it's political. Uh, Mishka's new record is called MS-13 and then it's just a bunch of skulls Uh, (laughs) um, that's actually that's my initials too (laughs) oh my god (laughs) I didn't even think about that (laughs) oh we should have named our tour that shit Um, (laughs) next missed opportunity we gotta work on the branding (laughs) yeah hashtag the resistance tour (laughs) cool well um 
Thank you for uh, talking to me. If you're listening, uh, I cannot plug Mishka Shubali enough. I'm a huge fan. He writes great music. Um, writes, you know, writes in a great way in general. And um, you should check him out because he's constantly on the fucking road. So he's coming <laughs> to your town soon. And uh, he puts on a great show. Playing a living room near you. <laughs> no shit. All right. That'll work. <laughs>